I want you to take your Bible this morning and turn to the 8th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. The 8th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. And I want to just share with you for just a short moment this morning about having a divided heart. Having a divided heart. Ezekiel chapter 8. And we're going to notice beginning in verse 5 this morning. And we're going to read down to verse 12. The book of Ezekiel, located just about in the middle of your Bible. That'll help you out a little bit. And uh, once you've found that, let's go ahead and stand, if you would, out of reverence and respect for God's Word. Ezekiel says, beginning in verse 5, Then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes now the way toward the north. So I lifted up mine eyes the way toward the north. And behold, the northward at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry. He said, Furthermore unto me, Son of man, seeth thou what they do? Even a great abomination that the house of Israel committed here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary. But turn thee again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. Then he brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, Go in, and behold the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things, and abominable beasts, and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. And there stood before them seventy men of the ancients of the house of Israel. And in the midst of them stood Jeazaniah the son of Shaphan, with every man his censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark, every man in the chambers of his imagery? For they say, The Lord seeth us not, the Lord hath forsaken the earth. Let's once again look to our Lord in prayer, please. Father in heaven, as we bow before your throne of grace this morning, I thank you for your word that you've given to us today. And I pray now that you would empower it in such a manner as only you can do. Father, speak to our hearts. And Lord, just forgive us of the times that we have had a divided heart, wanting to serve you on one hand and maybe wanting to serve something else on the other. And I pray that what you would do here today, Lord, is that you would grip us that you'd help us not to live a double life, but, Father, you'd help us to be genuine and real. And, Father, I pray that you'd forgive all of us for the times that we have just kind of lived a life in secret. Now, Father, this service is yours, and I pray that you'd use it to warn us and to encourage us and so that we can leave here better than what we came. For it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.
The heart is the key to us genuinely and enthusiastically serving God. You know, the Bible says that God demands that we give Him our heart. Jesus said that the whole duty of man is that we would serve Him with all of our heart. And you know, one of the reasons why David was such a, a, a great man of God was the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. And the Bible says that David followed God with all of his heart. Now, when you think about the heart, did you realize that it's possible for us to do things and not really have our heart in it? How many of you have ever went to work and your heart really wasn't in it? I mean, you went there and you, you went through the motions and, and maybe we did what we were supposed to do, but our heart really wasn't in it. And because of that, our, our level of work really wasn't what it needed to be. Folks, I've been to work before and my heart wasn't in it. Probably you've done the same thing. How many of you have ever went to school when you were in school and, and you went to school, you had the ability, but your grades never were what they should be because your heart wasn't in it. You know, my two favorite classes when I was in high school was, was band and, and, and lunch. And... Uh, the rest of it, my heart really wasn't in it. And so, you know, when I was in high school, my grades really weren't that good. I mean, I passed and, and you know, and I didn't flunk out or anything. But, but it was kind of interesting what happened later on when I went to Bible college. My, my folks were amazed. Mike, you never had A's in your life. And now you've got A's. Well, my heart was in it. And my son was the same way. He was an average student. I mean, but Jeremy never applied himself to school. I mean, his favorite classes were band and, and girls. And, uh, but, you know, he, he was never a, really a great student. And when he went to college, he went one year or two years to Northwestern State University in Natchitoches. And he just kind of sloughed through. But then he went off to mortuary school. And I was amazed. He was taking forensic science. He actually took a makeup class, and I mean cosmetics, and he made an A in it. A boy making an A in a cosmetics class? He took biology, and he took all these other courses, and I'm going, how in the world can this guy make A's in those classes? He never did it when he was with us. His heart wasn't in it when he was at home. But when he finally got something he really liked and his heart was in it, it made all the difference in the world. And you know, folks, that thing can, can be true when it, when it comes to God. See, some people outwardly serve God. I mean, we come to church and, and, and we sing the songs of Zion and we go home. But even though we may come to church, it, it just may be that our heart is not really in service to God. We're just kind of going through the motions. And that's really what's seen in this passage here. Outwardly, Judas' priests were doing all they were supposed to do. They were offering the offerings of God. They were listening to people as they came and confessed their sins. They were teaching Bible classes, doing everything just like they were supposed to do. But they were really serving with a divided heart because when the doors closed at night, they weren't serving God. When the doors were closed and no one was watching what was going on, Ezekiel said he kind of 
got into the inner sanctum of what they were doing. They weren't worshiping God. They were actually worshiping idols. They were living a, a double life. They were living a secret life because they had a divided heart. And you know, you stop to think about it, folks. Character. There's a difference between character and reputation. You know what reputation is? Reputation is what everybody thinks we are. Did you know we can have a really good reputation but not have a very good character? Because character is what we really are when no one else is watching. It's what God really knows we are. These men had a good reputation. People were looking at them and saying, Oh man, I'm so glad, proud of my priest. But when the doors were closed and the night fell and no one could see what was going on, God knew that they were idolaters deep down. And you know, there are many people serving today, not with a whole heart, but with a divided heart, just like these men were. And you know, one characteristic of a divided heart is that a person's actions away from the crowd are always going to be different than when someone else is watching. You know, a person with a divided heart will leave a secret life with secret sin. And you know, believers and unbelievers can fall into this trap. Uh, when, you, when you began to read the book of Exodus, one of the things that's striking to me about Moses early in his life, he kind of had that idea. He kind of had one eye on the crowd and one eye on what he wanted to do. Do you remember on one occasion when he saw uh, an Egyptian beating an Israelite? You remember what the Bible says happened? He looked this way and he looked that way to see that no one was looking and then he killed the Egyptian. And he thought he got away with it. Later on in Israel's history, we find a man by the name of Achan. And the Bible tells us that when Israel went in to take Jericho, God told them, don't take anything. You, you're not allowed to keep anything for yourself. And remember what Achan did? He stole, took it home, buried it, covered it up, thought he got away with it. Secret life. And remember poor little David? David took another man's wife and he did everything he could do to cover it up so no one else would find out about it. He was worried about what they would think. So he had her husband killed and then took her to be his wife. And you know, the test of whether our heart is right or not is simply this. Would I sin if no one else found out about it? If no one knew that I, was, that I was doing this, would I do it? That's the true test of what our heart is like. If no one knew that I was going to steal $1,000, would I do it? If no one knew I was going to do this, would I do it? That's the real key to what our heart is like. Because this question reveals that we don't really care if we hurt God. These priests, they were hurting God. That, that was the one they really were offending. Think about Moses. Moses hurt God, even though others may not have known about it. Achan hurt God, even though others didn't know about it. David was hurting God. And when we kind of have the idea, I'd do it if I could get away with it, what we're saying is, I don't care about God because God knows everything we do. I think the other thing that the question reveals is simply this. That we often think more of our reputations. And we often think what more, we often think more about what people think about us 
than we do about what God thinks about us. See, most of the times we live with a fear of what man thinks about us, don't we? And most of the time we worry about our reputation and we worry about what others are going to think about us when the truth of the matter is we're not going to answer to one another when it's all said and done. We're going to answer to God. And so what? What do we think? What about God? God knows it all. So we need to worry about what He says. Because we're either going to love God with all of our hearts or we don't. Now another characteristic of a divided heart is that we can only love and we can only obey one master. Jesus said that we can, you know, you will either love the one and despise the other or, or love that other one and despise the other. You can't serve two masters at one time. And, and that's why when God comes in second, we may be doing the right things, but we're not going to enjoy it. Folks, listen, you cannot serve God with, with a divided heart and enjoy your service. Folks, if you've got a divided heart right now and if you're secretly desiring sin or you're living a double life maybe that no one knows about, we may come to church, but the songs of Zion are not going to bring us joy. They're going to bring conviction. The preaching of the Word of God is not going to bring us joy. It's going to bring conviction. And so instead of enjoying our service with the Lord, all that's going to do is make us miserable because you can't love the world and hang on to God and love Him at the same time. Simply impossible. And this is why a lot of people have a secret life. They come and cloak what we're doing with religion, all at the same time living our secret life over here hoping no one finds out about what we're going to do. And that, and that service to God then becomes a front to try to hide what we're secretly really relishing in. Come on, y'all alive this morning? And I want you to notice the danger of a believer having a divided heart. The danger of a divided heart is that God's eventually going to expose what we've been doing in secret. Was Moses exposed for killing the Egyptian? Yeah, the very next day he went out and there were two Israelites fighting. And he said, fellas, why are you all fighting like that? Y'all are brothers and the one in the wrong. The one in the wrong is always going to be the accusatory one. Have you ever noticed that? He said, Moses, who made you a judge or ruler over us? Are you going to kill me next? Uh-oh, his secret was out. How about Achan? Did his secret come out? Yeah, God whispered in Joshua's ear, Joshua, I'm not going to let you have victory again until you get rid of this, this thief over here. And he was found out. How about David? David killed Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. He took her in unto himself. Oh, it looked like everything was fine until Nathan showed up and said, David, you're the man. God knows what you've done. And see, one of the things that we need to realize about living a secret life is this. The Bible says, be sure, be sure, be sure your sin will find you out. And I know for a while it may look like that we're getting away with something. But you know what that time is? That time is just God's grace giving us time to repent, giving us time to come back to Him before He has to humiliate us with our sin. And, I, you know, we, never, we, we need to 
never forget what these religious leaders here forgot. One of the things they said in verse 12 is, the Lord sees us not. But yes, He does. The Lord is omniscient. The Lord knows everything. The Lord sees everything. And He sees when we're having a double life. And He'll never let a believer get by with it. You might say, well, Brother Mike, no one knows about it. God knows. And have you ever noticed that God has a way of bringing out into the open what no one else knows about? Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. No one knew about it but the Holy Spirit. And then he brought that to, 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 to Peter's attention. And folks, he'll give us opportunity to repent of such sin. But if he has to, he'll bring it out into the open. You remember what happened with Achan? Achan stole and God began to move to, to, to bring it out into the open. And one of the things that God did is He brought all of the nation of Israel before Him and had a march before Joshua. Now, how long would it take three million people to march before a person? Long time. How many of you have ever been at a high school graduation? Long time. And all during that period of time when they're marching by Joshua, God was giving Achan time to repent. And when they got through marching... God said, all right, take the tribe of Judah. Take this family. All the while they're doing that. Achan's had got time to repent. But when he didn't do it, God finally said, take Achan. He's the one. And see, I, I'm persuaded for a lot of people today, you may be living a secret life and you may have gotten caught yet. You may haven't been, you have, may haven't been found out yet. And God's just giving you time to repent. Take that time before the humiliation comes. I think also there's a danger of having a divided heart and that's seen in what we lose. Did you know when we have a divided heart, we lose fellowship with God? And the reason we lose fellowship with God is because God is not going to take second place in our hearts. He's not going to take the leftovers, folks. How many of you wives or husbands, if your spouse came in and said, you know, I found somebody else, but I'll tell you what, I'll give you Saturday and Sunday, but the rest of the time I'm going to spend with my newfound lover. How many of you ladies and men would take second place? My wife would say, there'd be one more time of fellowship with you at your funeral. We don't take second place like that. We want first place with our spouse, Amen. Come on, help me out here. We want first place. And God is like that. He's not going to accept second place. And the Bible says what God will do when we regard iniquity in our heart. David said, the Lord will not hear me if I regard iniquity in my heart. And dear friends, there are many people whose prayer lives have been down to nothing because they've secretly harbored that sin in their heart and they've lived with a divided heart and they're not coming to God anymore and giving Him all of their heart. And God has said, I won't hear you until you come back to me with all your hearts. And there's not that fellowship anymore. And because there's not that sweet fellowship, there are many believers who are even doubting their salvation as God just kind of takes away the assurance of it all. I think also we can lose God's anointing by having a divided heart. The very next chapter, you know what took place in Israel? God's Shekinah glory that had rested in the temple 
the cloud was removed and gone. Gone because they were trying to serve God with a divided heart. Now listen to me, dear friends. Did you know that God will never bless a church with soul winning power when there's sin in the camp? God didn't bless Israel and allow them to take Ai because of the sin of Achan. And when there's sin in the camp, there's not going to be that, that Pentecostal Holy Spirit power that falls like God wants it to fall. Not only that, but when there's sin in the camp, there's not going to be unity when there's sin in the camp. Oh, listen... The Bible teaches that, that there's unity as I'm, I'm in fellowship with God and you're in fellowship with God. And if we're both in fellowship with God, there's going to be unity. But if I'm out of fellowship with God and you're in fellowship with God, there's not going to be unity. Because two can't walk together except they be agreed. So there needs to be a heart on all of the church, all of our members where we have a heart that is fully totally, enthusiastically given to God. God wants us to love Him and then serve Him with all of our heart. And then there's also the fact that we lose our joy when there's a divided heart. Did you know that there's a joy that's ours when we're walking in fellowship with God? I mean, the, that kind of joy was so important to David when he, when he finally came back to to, to, to repent before the Lord. One of the things he prayed was this, Lord, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Now, having the joy of the Lord is important because that joy can be the catalyst to bring others to Christ. Now, listen to me. There shouldn't be any more joyful people on earth than God's people. And yet, how many times do we come to church and it looks like people are really sorry they came? Come on, I'm putting mirrors up up here one day so you can see your faces. I mean, did you know the most joyful time in a Baptist church is when the final amen is said for many people? But there ought to be a joy that comes from knowing Jesus in our heart. That joy ought to be here in the church fellowship, yes. But it also ought to be out when we get out into the world. The people that are around us as we, as we go to the grocery store, the people around us when we go to school, the people around us when we go to work, they ought to see the joy of the Lord in our life because Jesus is indwelling our hearts. Matter of fact, we ought to be so joyful that people are saying, you know, that's a crazy guy. That guy's weird. He's happy all the time. That is the joy of the Lord. And I believe that we ought to have the joy of the Lord and having it's important because it keeps us going in time of trial. You remember what the disciples said in, in Acts chapter 3? They got beaten because of their, their faith in Christ. I mean, they were beaten. I mean... We, we don't even understand the full impact of what took place in their life. But the Bible says that after they were released from jail, after getting a beating, kind of like Rodney King, they, they, they were going home. And the Bible says that they counted it all joy to suffer for His namesake. You know what would happen if the average church member today, if we got beaten for coming to church? Hey, I ain't going back there again. Or... Now look, Lord, why'd you like... No, they were counting it all joy to suffer for His name. They had the joy of the Lord in their life. And folks, that joy does not come externally. 
You know, most of the time when we think of joy, we think of joy that comes from experience something outside of ourselves. The cowboys lose. We have joy or, or we sadness. Joy, all right. He got the Holy Ghost back there, all right. Or, or, or we think about getting a good meal. Joy, right? Or we think about winning the lottery. You better not be playing. Uh, win the lottery. Joy. We think of something that comes externally. But the joy of the Lord is not something that comes from outside. It comes from inside. It comes from having the Holy Spirit living in our hearts. And it comes from our relationship with Him. Folks, listen. Do you know of people that you just get around them and you all of a sudden, you just get happy? We all know of people like that, don't we? They just get around them. They just bring us just so, so much joy and happiness. And then I've known of a few people that you get around them and they just rain on your parade. Well, folks, if we have a relationship with Jesus, that relationship brings us joy. And the only way we can have that joy is serving God with our whole heart not with a divided heart. See, folks, you can't love God and serve God with a divided heart. What will happen is if we have a divided heart, when temptation comes, we're going to sin. And that's why we've got to learn how to say no to the flesh and love the Lord with all of our heart and soul and strength. Because when we're loving God with all of our heart, then we can say to Satan when he comes and when the temptation comes, no, this isn't right. This isn't right. And I'm going to do what's right because I want to please my heavenly Father who loved me and went to the cross and died on the cross for me. When temptation comes, then we can say, no, I'm not going to do anything that would hurt my heavenly Father. And when temptation comes, then we can say, no, this is just going to end up hurting me and humiliating me. I know the Bible teaches that there's pleasure in sin for a season. But the pleasure of that just short time will never justify what's going to take place at the end. Do you think David's short fling with Bathsheba, do you think the pleasure from that justified what happened to him at the end? He was humiliated, lost his baby, then he lost two sons. Then he had his daughter humiliated and defiled. I don't think it justified that, do you? Do you think that the justification of stealing that Babylonian garment was worth it to Achan when he lost his life and lost his family? Do you, do you think that Moses could justify his anger in killing that Egyptian by getting to spend 40 years out in the wilderness tending sheep? Don't think so. And folks, we need to, as we serve God with all of our heart and all of our soul and strength, we can realize that the short moment of pleasure is never going to justify the end result that's going to come from our life. Judah's priests, they brought about the downfall of Judah. Not only did the glory depart from the temple, but the Babylonians came and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And Israel's was let off for 70 years into Babylonian captivity. What does the Bible say, teach? As go the leadership, so goes the nation. 
and Israel fell. Now, folks, listen, and I close. As Christians here today, you and I, we're either building up the body. You and I are either loving God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength, and as a result, we're building up one another, or we're living divided lives. We're living secret lives, and we're tearing down the body. God doesn't want a divided heart. He wants us serving Him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength. That's why we need to openly love God and openly serve God. Because sooner or later, what goes on in secret, dear friends, is going to come out in the open. It always does, and it always does.